I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, kids, don't do drugs. <laughs> F*** off, Vato. Kicks him in the shins. <laughs> And the World Wrestling Federation! Welcome, everyone, to the Cultaholic Classic Raw Review as the other Cultaholic lads nurse heads after we realised that football wasn't coming home. We are here via our Ica Pro Power DeLorean back in a time where we just want the fans to come home in the new generation era of the World Wrestling Federation. Who be we? I be Fake Geordie, radio presenter without portfolio, hanging out of my ass, former Cultaholic Heavyweight Champion Tom Campbell. I am with the bear in the big blue bar cage, the head pen of Cultaholic, Cultaholic's lead historian, Titan Shrugged of Cultaholic, the man who does not need a pencil as head pen. He gets it right every time. He's Justin Henry and he is off of America. Uh, sorry for your uh, defeat yesterday. Uh, we record us on this Monday. I was pulling for you guys. Bless you. Thank you. It was, it was, it was nice for the country to to unite over something that wasn't the coronavirus. Uh, that is why this one felt so special, and for us to be in the final, like that that doesn't happen. <laughs> so it was, just, and oh, Justin, I, I I don't know if I can truly truly lament on on how heartbreaking it was because like we won't go too much into the game because it's still quite raw for many another couple of years of hurt did no one any arm um but to go up to go one nil up two minutes into the game and be like no this is gonna be a thing and then it coming down to penalties which is uh every england player's kryptonite is penalties well, well hang on hang on i can make you feel a little bit better go on then Hang on while I alienate everyone who lives in the city of Atlanta. We're in and around there. Um, in Super Bowl 51, four and a half years ago, the Atlanta Falcons had a 28-3 lead on Tom Brady's New England Patriots. At one juncture, it was estimated through, through next-gen stats, the Falcons had a 99.9% win probability. They then took the foot off the gas. The Patriots scored 25 unanswered points to force overtime, including... The tying touchdown with a minute left, and then scored an overtime to win it all. Jeez, yeah, that does make me feel better, mate. You're right. 
<laughs> and I personally was, well, I, I wasn't super happy, but I was like, well, at least somebody else didn't win the Super Bowl before my Eagles did. And the Eagles <laughs> won it the following year, so... Anybody else can win. I don't care. We got ours. As long as it was, yeah. As long as you won at some point. That's uh, top top marks to to Gareth Southgate and the lads. Uh, good times. Sad we didn't win. Football didn't quite come home. We'll have to. We'll have. We'll, we'll lock the door for now. But in a couple of years' time, we'll put the key on the latch again. Let's see where That's, we go. You always bounce back, man. You never oh, know. Yeah, it's the World Cup next year. It's, it's, let's get USA versus England in the in the draw. Let's do it. Let's get USA in there. It's not fair. We'll get killed. <laughs> anyway, wrestling's coming home. We're here to talk about Monday Night Raw from 1995. We are deep into the new generation era of professional wrestling. Justin Henry is going to talk us through. If this is your first one, by the way, hello. Uh, Justin Henry shortly is going to talk us through this week's episode of Monday Night Raw. When and where are we this week, Justin? Uh, this is it aired on Monday, July 31st, 1995. This was taped. One week earlier at the famed Louisville Gardens. But before we get into, you know, the Observer review for what for what happened at the time and we get into the show review, we probably should address the news that broke a little a little while ago here on Monday mm-hmm. in the world of professional wrestling, the passing of the great Mr. Wonderful himself, Paul Orndorff. Literally about maybe half an hour before Justin and I came to sit down. Uh, to do this show, the the news broke, and it and it's it's extra heartbreaking because we saw photos, uh, a photo emerge uh, over uh, the over the fourth of July of Mister Wonderful back home, like seemingly in in good form. A photo taken by his son, and it was just like a nice little heartwarming moment to see that pop up online, and uh, and yeah, and so the news just just devastating to come down today. What is a favorite um, Paul Orndorff memory? for you uh in this uh, it, uh, to look back on the life of paul orndorff do you have a favorite memory well just going back through his career i wasn't a fan back then but i came to appreciate uh his heel turn on hulk hogan in 1986 which kicked off a major run of big money house show uh, matchups between the two they drew over 70,000 fans at the toronto's exhibition stadium for uh him, him and Hogan in the main event for the title. They had the big Saturday Night's main event cage match that aired in the early 87. But just Orndorff, uh, just the way he set Hogan up. He was his friend for a little while, but he was a little undercurrent of envy between that competitive envy. It's like, he has what I want. He just had enough of being second banana, so he just clotheslined the hell out of Hogan one day and went with Heenan and set up that whole feud. And Orndorff, in the midst of that feud, you'll talk about his toughness, but... I, this is probably the defining story. He injured his arm, neck, shoulder area doing weightlifting in the in the midst of that big big money run. He refused to have it checked out or even like have surgery because this was the this was the money run of his career. He mm. was thirty seven years old. It's like he he may never have a run this big again. He went through it for the next few months, and ultimately it affected his health for the worst going forward. He he had to retire in nineteen ninety five and. He, pretty much full-time after that. But he, he had runs here and there where he just didn't wrestle because it was... I think there took a lot of uh, a lot of damage in his career. I think the last time he got into the ring was we talked about it recently, actually, on the classic SmackDown review. It was the in WCW, and it was Paul Orndorff teaming up with the Filthy Animals to take mm-hmm. on uh, the Natural Born Thrillers. 
And it was a weird sight seeing. I mean, it was lovely to see Paul Orndorff back in a wrestling ring. But obviously, you know, you you, you mentioned there the the arm and the shoulder injury that he ignored because he was he persevered through on the biggest run of his career. Uh, but it led to his arm. Uh, I hope I've got the right word. Atrophying. Mm-hmm. Yes. So like, and so it was that little moment you saw him, and you had this this one smaller arm, and it was like, oh gosh. And he got hurt in that match, and they had to they sort of, midway through the match. He, and there was he had this blistering run for about thirty seconds, then he got hurt and he got taken away. Uh, so it was a real sad that that was his last in ring bit. But he was acknowledged on WWE quite a few times. I think I seem to remember he turned up for uh, Ric Flair's farewell. And everybody went, wow, Paul Orndorff looks like an evil baron from a cartoon. This is an amazing new look for Paul Orndorff. Do you remember he had that handlebar moustache going on? That was Mania 30 when they had all the participants from the main event, from the first WrestleMania backstage in that standoff. Oh, that was so good. That was a lovely moment. Um, But to your point about his arm atrophying, I think it was, it was Mick Foley in his memoirs talked about in WCW when that first started happening in, in the late 80s, early 90s to him, that Orndorff made a point because he was getting back in the ring and, and of course, it's a cosmetic business. He worked out that one arm just repeatedly and just so it would be the same size as the other one. And he, and, and he worked like a, like a demon just to get it back into, you know, cosmetic shape to match the other arm. And it's just that, that was his level of tenacity and dedication and drive. Jeez, incredible. Before we started, obviously this news broke just as we're about to to sit down to record this show. So I went back into uh, the Observer for this week just to have a little glance and see what, what you know what Paul Orndorff was doing in this year that we were talking about. Um, not not the most auspicious of times. He is on the house show run, losing to Renegade in 1995. Uh, so I mean, there are better Orndorff memories which you can read about cultaholic dot com. Um, but Renegade bouncing around, well. Bouncing around Paul Orndorff uh, was was what was happening in this particular time frame, which is which I think everybody did, didn't they? There is a happy memory in there. It's when he faced Renegade at Bash at the Beach, and the crowd just didn't care for Renegade at all. Orndorff threw sand right in his eyes at one point, and everybody cheered. <laughs> Godspeed to Mister Wonderful Paul Orndorff. You can read more about his life and times at cultaholic dot com, and you can hear a a special. Uh, presentation on Mr. One for Paul Orndorff on the Cultaholic News podcast from this morning. Uh, looking to some of the other events in the wrestling world for this particular week. Uh, Rody and Jarrett versus the WWF. That's a story that, that rattles on, Dave says of the Observer. As the week went on, the situation regarding the WWF status of Jeff Jarrett and the Rody Brian James has continued to develop. Jeff's father, Jerry Jarrett, did an interview for The Torch saying that Jeff believed his character was being burned out too quickly. That's because it's The Torch. And Jeff would be joining him in a non-wrestling-related family business instead. Now, as the week went on, Jeff Jarrett and WWF officials were talking and the officials were trying to patch things up with him. Jarrett had several months still on his contract. Uh, it would stop him working in WCW. He could probably get away with working with USWA, is what they were saying at this point. Uh, Rhodey had about a year left, and he was already back doing stuff with Smoky Mountain Wrestling. He was Brian Armstrong there, and he could you know, feasibly work out his contract there. Um, the issue is, and it's not just about... And this is why, because I was asking the question last week, Justin, like, why are they persevering with bringing up this story because surely if a guy's walked off they um 
like they did with Mr. Perfect. They just bury the bury them and carry on and never mention it again. But there's actually a very good reason why they are desperate to, to keep Jeff Jarrett and Rhodey's story in hearts and minds. And it's because the Jarrett Rhodey deal on television has a lot of money tied up in the marketing of Alone with My Baby tonight. They just make cassettes. They spent a lot of money in getting that thing together and they needed that story to keep going so they could, you know, sell the tapes, sell the merch and have that angle pay dividends, which is why they didn't want to rush to to bin that story off altogether because they had in a time where the company is really struggling for money, they had money tied up in this story. Thank God, you know, they were able to recoup all those losses from those ain't I great not shirts. Jeez, those shirts were ugly. They were hot. Um, I realize the phrase t-shirt company is dismissive, but if you called WF that in 95, not even it would be dismissive, it would be incorrect. <laughs> it's more of a kitsch company. <laughs> it's a Dudinsky company. Uh, <laughs> a, a dud company. <laughs> you got the dud! Um, the, the, the money problems in the WWF continue in our next story from The Observer. So it's in this week that we have like official word on the layoffs within WWE. They're going through major cost cutting. And this just isn't because, you know, we see this regularly in WWE now. This is a company that is really getting into uh, a, a position to, to make a big move. This was literally, we are sinking. Let's throw as much stuff off the boat as we can. Uh, in 1995, the 25 people from the front office got let go in the last week. Uh, we've mentioned some of these names already. I'll mention them again. Rex Lardner, uh, Skip DeJardins, and Steve Planamaneta. Have I pronounced that right, Justin? I don't know. Thanks, mate. Uh, also, <laughs> Although, I think I think it's Skip Desjardins, though. Uh, I think it's a French name. There's a hockey player with that name. Desjardins. Where have I heard that before? Hey, uh, Jack, Jack Tuddy, Stephanie Wind, Tony Gurria gone from the company as well. We mentioned Stephanie Wind going. He did come back. But initially, the plan was like he was being let go initially to um, because they were putting Mike Rotunda into his position. And they wanted mm. IRS Mike Rotunda to be the road agent and designated substitute in the event of no-shows. So, like, Mike, the theory being in this week in the wrestling, this bloody week in the wrestling, um, that Mike Rotunda would take Tony Gurria's role and he would book the house shows, he'd book the touring events. But in the event that a wrestler wasn't there, he could put the old braces on, put the tie on, hey, you tax cheats, and off he went. Why didn't Tony Gurria do that? We could have had him versus Virgil in, like, 92 or something. Oh, I'd love Tony Gurria to do that. Uh, but mm-hmm. sadly, d- distinct lack of Tony Gurria getting in the ring. Very sad. Now, you realize if, t- if Tony had a 30-day non-compete instead of a 90-day, he could have been on the first Nitro instead of Luger. <laughs> John, what would that look like? It is my decision that no man is ever truly good and that no man is ever truly evil. <laughs> Except here on Monday Nitro. <laughs> Furthermore, mass... <laughs> The further mass, further mass. <laughs> oh, that'd have been a dream. That would have been a dream. Except instead of coming up on the on that little um, like chamber slab that Alistair Black was on, and it's just a craftmatic adjustable bed. <laughs> oh, I was, I was going to suggest it might be a desk. <laughs> he sat at. <laughs> bed goes up. Furthermore, bed goes back down. 
Furthermore, evil. Um, some bodies have left the company, the heavenly ones, to be exact, um, according to Dave and the Observer. Other names listed to be gone from the company this week, uh, Sione, Affa, Lou Albano, Duke Drosy, all dropped. Now, that's not true with Drosy, because Drosy, Drosy's back, and he's in a, back in a big way soon. Um, How do you not keep the barbarian around? He can do stuff. It's, um, it, just, it seems so misguided to have a guy like Sione slash the barbarian and mm-hmm. and not keep him around. Like, if you're going to keep... Like, oh, they have some old dodderers knocking around in this company, and I'm not against, like, the older talent, but, like... Yeah, in a in a company that they, their priorities are so weird. Like you want to, yeah, you want to hold on to some of those legendary figures. You have Nikolai Volkov, but yet you let the barbarian go. <laughs> like, he's hard, far more workable. How hard would it have been to turn barbarian and comet into the new powers of pain? Oh my god! Just have them as like, yeah, new powers of pain, new Legion of Doom s. Just a tag team that clatters people. Just, you know, looking back at it. Barbarian and his powers of pain get up with the face paint and, and like just the his size and everything. That was one of the best looks of for a wrestler ever. It was cool, wasn't it? And then he turned him into the antler guy. The antlers, yeah, that's kind of way a bit weird. <laughs> he was the rogue reindeer. <laughs> uh, Mantle, heavenly bodies, Techno Team Two Thousand, apparently all being dropped. Um, I think I wrote a Mantar. <laughs> you could. This have... is when Call of Hog turned on WBF, by the way. <laughs> this was the real fallout. <laughs> this is where it all goes wrong. Yes. Um, both Doink and Dink and King Kong Bundy being phased out, but will probably get some bookings on the B shows and charity shows where they have name value in the Northeast of America. So they're not it, quite gone yet. Yeah, Doink definitely showed up here and there for like the charitable endeavors, him and Dink, because, you know, they do a lot of kids' charities and it makes sense to have the clowns there. Um, Shinja, as you reported uh, last week, Justin, uh, now gone from the WWF. That was indeed his final appearance, getting pile-driven by Bret Hart. Uh, and lit f- uh, by by the time this episode of Raw goes to air, he's already back in the wrestling. He's working uh, at wrestling and romance in Japan. He's working at war as a manager. Like, he wastes no time. There's no there's no, no compete for Shinja. He's straight back in. <laughs> Oh wait, how weird a name is that that gets lost in translation? Wrestling and romance. Yeah. Like, I mean, war. I mean, war sounds cool, but it just. I quite like the juxtaposition. War. What's it stand for? Wrestling and romance. <laughs> I quite <laughs> like the juxtaposition. I'm a, I like that little that playfulness. War. What is it good for? Giving us bookings once in a while. <laughs> uh, Hakushi, who was thought to be leaving. This is interesting. Hakushi was thought to be leaving. Uh, when Sin- when Shinja went as well, he impressed lots of people with that match with Bret Hart. He is now sticking around. This is apparently his decision. Uh, the company never never decided to let him go, but there was the thought that he was going to decide to leave. So it looked as if he might be going. The company were like, well, if you want to go, go. You see, there's a lesson here. If Duke Trosi or Sione or King Kong Bunny had done the space flying tiger drop, <laughs> they'd still be there. <laughs> Also, whoever Bundy landed on would probably be gone. <laughs> or just unable to work. That's how Shinja goes. <laughs> it's, like, it's like Mr. Bill. Oh, no. Flattened. <laughs> oh, on, that's, that's wrestling and no romance. Um, uh, the Heavenly Bodies expected to do Smoky Mountain and USWA and all that stuff. So they'll be fine. Um, there's uh, talk- Although Smoky Mountain goes in November then. <laughs> as long as that doesn't happen, that is fine. 
Or wink. <laughs> uh, there's talk that the Techno Team 2000 may go to USWA as well. So lucky them. They oh, what okay. a run for Techno Team 2000. The tag team of the future in the promotion of the past. <laughs> they could just be time. I think you should have doubled down with Techno Team 2000 and had them as time travelers. Like really, like gone to town on making them time travelers. <laughs> Brett, don't ever let Sean put you in the sharpshooter. Yes. <laughs> have them, have them <laughs> turn up and predict matches. Hey, or better yet, we like Vince is in his office, and then here comes uh, what are their names? Troy and Topanga. Topanga. <laughs> <laughs> don't get my hopes up, <laughs> John. Um, just have them buzz into Vince's office. Whoom. Hire Steve Austin from WCW. <laughs> They've changed the world. Maybe they did. Maybe they did. And we, we'll never know. It's possible. Maybe um, Troy and Topanga did, really did it. <laughs> They're Troy and Topanga now. I don't care. <laughs> That's, um, boy meets future of the world. <laughs> uh, Al Snow, Dean Douglas and Dustin Runnels all added to the roster. Uh, the latter two on the heel side. Al Snow was toying with going to WCW. There's a few younger guys who are looking to go to WCW because they said, hey, we want some some good, solid wrestlers for this undercard once we get this show, Wrestling Nitro, as it's currently called, off the ground. And they all went, we've seen how you treat wrestlers. They don't go anywhere. And Hulk Hogan's there booking all his mates. We'll, be, we'll pass. And Al Snow is one of those that... that, that it went well i'll go over here instead i'll go wwf instead you're getting a, quite a bit of that of the wrestlers despite the fact that the company whilst is still like a, a juggernaut is on its arse to an extent you are getting a lot of people go we're going to choose wwf we're just going to go over there where there's see now you see he could have been the gothic character called alice snow black <laughs> him and jack toddy <laughs> it's just head rolls up on the on the slab then and then my god no head is ever you could turn that a lot of ways <laughs> no head is ever truly evil well also just having an asthma attack as he's coming don't <laughs> <laughs> make me sing <laughs> um ricky morton and ecw not yet. Nearly. Nearly. There's Nearly. Ne negotiations going on to bring Ricky Morton into extreme championship wrestling. I think eventually, but not yet. Ooh. Intrigued mm -hmm. by this. Now, I I don't know whether you know about this, but I love the sound of this. This is my last bit of news before we get into the rigors of this week's episode of Mother Um Potential tag team to potentially face Owen Hart and Yokozuna at, at SummerSlam. Uh, was a was a, for your consideration, Mongo McMichael and William the Refrigerator Perry. <laughs> really? So, this comes from Dave. The situation with William Perry and Steve McMichael is this: there is consideration given given to making them a tag team, figuring it will get notoriety and press to work against Owen and Yokozuna at SummerSlam. Oh, oh, oh! I have a question. Oh, go on from the back, Justin Henry, America. If SummerSlam's in Pittsburgh, why, why are you bringing two Chicago Bears in in, ho in hopes of popping the crowd? God knows. 
<laughs> I don't think they thought it through. Um, they is all... this the new SummerSlam tradition where you have Chicago Bears players and we had Walter Payton last year. Now we have Mongo and Fridge this year. I just just keep uh, just keep rocking them up. <laughs> just keep saying uh, what next year. Next year, we have Mike Singletary kick Owen's ass. Anyway, go on. <laughs> uh, anyway, talks broke down because William Perry wanted a guaranteed contract. WWF weren't willing to change their policy against guaranteed contracts, especially for William the Refrigerator Perry. Um, and Dave says, not to mention he had a weight problem his entire football career with a million-dollar contract. How would he handle his weight for 20% of that money in pro wrestling? Uh, McMichael, whose NFL career is over because Packers have released him, was willing to do whatever WWF wanted to get into pro wrestling, wound up with WCW since they came up with a plan to use him faster. Oh, we got that close to getting Mongo in the WWF. You realize there's a bidding war for Mongo. This is the times we live in, my friend. This is the times we live in. I mean, I love Mongo. I love Mongo. (laughs) I love... I still think my, my hack... Hot hack theory. He should have headlined Mania 11 against Bigelow. <laughs> Stand by it, mate. Stand I by it. I don't know. If the promos would have been better, but the match wouldn't have been as good. I, I have all about the promos, mate. <laughs> just, just the promos would have done it for me. Just Mongo. Whenever Mongo was on the mic, he was money. Absolutely. I just money. want to point out that William Refrigerator Perry could not get a guaranteed deal, but Johnny D. Bad did. I'm going to write that down. Make a note. But he won Boxy's Golden Gloves. <laughs> so did 800,000 other people. <laughs> like one person wins a year. Um, we have a dark match main event on this particular taping of Raw. Don't know if I mentioned Ooh. this last week. Um, so actually, there's there's a handful of them here. Yeah, in a dark match, Undertaker beat Karma in a casket match. Uh, also, Brett Hart and Shawn Michaels beat the Blue Brothers. When Brett used the sharpshooter, Brett Hart and Shawn Michaels teamed up on a dark on a dark match. Well, on the on the unreleased DVD, they had a match against someone I think it was Lawler and Hakushi. Ah, so that would have been around this time because we are getting towards a Shawn Michaels Jerry Lawler feud because of reasons. Yeah, the Foundation of Rockers. Ah, oh, it's like a decent hybrid team that is. It is. Uh, the show ended with Diesel pinning Sid. In a cage match in two minutes and 30, described as horrible. Quote, people left very unhappy because the cage match was so bad. For two minutes and 30? Like, is it long enough to be bad? I guess. Well, it, well, it, it was half as long as McGregor and Poirier over the weekend. Less snapped ankles in that case. Oh, but Sid was in yeah, it. Oh, oh, God. That's that's a weird harbinger of doom. Oh, Jesus. Oh, ha, ha, ha. And, and just... And just as we record this, the 2001 History of Wrestling is now up on Call to Hawks uh, YouTube channel, and Sid Snapleg is unfortunately in that. Yes, it all, it all ties together. Um, I'm very excited to watch that when we come off today. This is a, a, for, a oh, beauty. It, this is. It's it's 49 minutes long, and Sam edited and and, and narrated the entire thing. So. Sam Dryer. He's on vacation for the next six months. <laughs> uh, that's on the channel right now. If you are listening to this, uh, the time you're meant to be. Um, the the uh, but to, to mention it the uh, the Conor McGregor match the bit at the end with Joe Rogan interviewing McGregor and McGregor just giving off this Black Knight from Monty Python energy oh just come back here I'll bite your legs off his ankle is snapped and he's going your wife's in me DMs like you are so ace God bless you Conor McGregor. <laughs> It reminded me of Chappelle in the World Series of Dice being dragged away after he'd been shy as your mother ain't shit. <laughs> 
God, the, the, the stones on McGregor. I just love him. It's just, it was, and I hope he gets well, and I hope he gets well properly and quickly, and he's in all the best to him because that was a nasty looking injury. But to sit there with your ankle hanging off, hanging by a thread, and you're just there going, your wife's in me DMs, mate, you shit. <laughs> it's just so, just very Conor McGregor. <laughs> He's going to be trash-talking people at his own funeral. He really is, isn't he? <laughs> and, like, de- declaring, no, make sure that he goes down, the doctor stopped the match, not me. <laughs> like, because I still want to go. God, God love him. What a guy. What a character. That's that's. He's one of the best pro wrestling characters that ever existed. <laughs> when he learned how to say, I'm going to kill you in Portuguese, just so he could taunt Jose Aldo with that. That, that, that was commitment. <laughs> oh, when, when, when the time is right and he joins WWE, he's going to make... So much money for everybody. All right, Connor, promo classes. You gotta, you must attend. Oh, could you? Oh, no. I want to fight you. No, what have you done to him? <laughs> you bottomized Connor McGregor, you monsters. Suffering sucker tash. <laughs> the hell is that? Oh, no. They would, wouldn't they? They would. They would. It, it could happen. Anyway, uh, that is the week in wrestling for this week in the wrestling. Let's go to Justin Henry from Off of America. I'm going to take a big drink of water because, as I mentioned in the intro, hanging out of my ass, and Justin's going to talk us through this week's episode of Monday Night Raw. I do have copious notes. I'm not going to half-heart it and half-wit it. I do have copious notes for the show, so it's all good. Hanging out of your ass means you're hungover, right? Mm. Oh, Yes. <laughs> I, I, I kind of want to add no context to that and just see what, how people interpret it. <laughs> I know some of your idioms, but not all of them. <laughs> I know all of our idiots. <laughs> yeah, some of them were on Twitter yesterday. Mm. A lot of them on Twitter. A lot of, a lot of them went Leicester Square yesterday. Okay, so we begin with the hype video for, for tonight's tag team title match, which I can't wait to see the finish of. Oh. We have to wait a bit. A oh, long time. Versus Razor Ramon and Savia Vega. You see, you used to get mad when the main event went on first. See, why can't it go last? Now you know why. <laughs> because they can't book an hour taping. Like, at this point, they struggle to this book a edited. piss up in a brewery, let alone put together an edited episode of Raw. Well, it's not a spoiler yet. Whoa, wait, whoa, wait. Yep, 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 yep. Pettengill's the narrator for this video. He calls Razor and Savio two Latin contenders. Well, technically. <laughs> I guess. Uh, I, I just realized that sounds... It spells TLC, two Latin contenders. <gasps> Is that what they might have been called? <laughs> Don't go chasing Yokozuna. <laughs> See, um, I was thinking two Latin contenders. Like what? Caesar and Brutus. <laughs> <laughs> At two Chico, <laughs> then fall Rezo, then fall the bad guy, <laughs> Savio Vega, or as he's known in Japan, Savio Balrog, <laughs> <laughs> Savio Quang. <laughs> um, just want to point out here that Todd actually notes in this in this in his narration that Savio may be reaching too high too soon. Well, he just got here. He made the Camry Finals. It was. Is in an Intercontinental title match. I'd say he's reaching. T- I'd say they were kind of overpushing him too soon. I like Savio, but they're trying so hard to make Savio a thing. They're desperate to make Fetch happen with Savio Vega, aren't they? And I guess it's it's not out of the realms of possibility that at this point, because domestic business is so down, they want to try and pursue some other some some other 
continents, some other countries, some other places to get that star power. And if you can make a star out of the Caribbean Savio Vega, then it yeah. opens up a whole new bit of money for you. Yeah, but, the, but it, it really is overdrive here with, with that push, mm. as we've seen in just, what, two and a half months now? He, he gets here and he's Caribbean legend Savio Vega. Like, oh, I've never heard of him. <laughs> well, if you were in Caribbean, you would. The cut to Caribbean. No, we've never heard of him. <laughs> we've heard of TNT. Heard TNT, the Caribbean kid. <laughs> Not two Latin contenders. <laughs> so we chasing Yokozuna. This next match has has the hardest workers on the show. It's neither of the wrestlers. <laughs> it's, it's Mabel versus Nick Barbary, aka Officer Barbarady. How am I gonna beat this guy? He's twice as big as I am. <laughs> I think I know the hard workers that you're alluding to. <laughs> it's not Bob Brady. It is the four poor motherfuckers that have to carry this wooden <laughs> throne with Mabel on it. It is. It is. I wish I. I wish they credited these guys because I tried to find. Like, there's there's a few people who we know. Like Jeff Hardy, we know was one. Delo Brown, we know was one of them. <laughs> Um, but there's so many that are nameless and I'd love to find it. So I'm, what I'm planning to do is, is just to pay very close attention to the next couple of weeks where this block of taping happens. Cause I reckon all of these four buggers wrestle <laughs> during this show, during this run. This is the, this is the four hernia men. <laughs> it is, um, it is, uh, it is not a pleasant visual. I feel bad for all these guys. They're, they're probably all at least six inches shorter now. <laughs> I mean, I, I the idea is great of Mabel being carried to the ring. The idea is great. God love them having to do it. Jesus. It, re it reminded me of when I used to watch Home Improvement. They had a running gag where Al Borland's mother was overweight. You never saw her on camera. But, they, but, but Tim always made jokes about, about just how obese she was. So there's an episode where she dies. And, and, and it takes place at her funeral. And, of course, there's a lot of gallows humor there. And the, and the last scene of the episode is, is they're calling the pallbearers up. Al, they call his brother Cal, Tim. They call like, like 12 people up. They can come up one by one. It's just like like Bob, Larry, Steve, Mike, Joe, Chris. It's just like, it's just like, it's just like 20 guys kind of walking up there. <laughs> to carry a mother away. Yes. They should have just had like fans help. <laughs> yeah, just do you want to be a WWF star? Carry this lad. There you go. <laughs> Pay your dues. Uh, Mabel's been headlining the house show run over the past How's it been few doing? weeks. Awful. Awful. Um, Mabel and Bam Bam Bigelow has been the top attraction at a couple of the B shows. Um, fun fact, Shane McMahon has been ring announcing them. Has he been doing the Shane Shuffle? <laughs> and hopefully an early version of the Shane Shuffle would have been seen at these B house shows where Shane was earning his stripes. Does Shane sweat when he says names over a microphone? Can you imagine this? This would have been young Shane. So I imagine that his um, I imagine his thyroid was pretty firm at this point. <laughs> it's less so now. But... Here he is, the human sprinkler. <laughs> He's a very sweaty man. Yes, he is. Someone has to be with, with, with IRS on the outs. <laughs> I wonder whether they just, whether Shane and IRS working backstage, just like, do they do they take it in turns to bring like deodorant just to keep themselves topped up? <laughs> I imagine they must sweat and smell. Because the humidifier is broken again. Someone better <laughs> kick it. <laughs> so even Vince has to note the struggle of, the, of these throne carriers. 
He does. And this match begins after they hit the intro during Mabel's entrance. So I guess they were opening cold with Mabel there. That's your money. Yeah. There goes the money. <laughs> uh, Mabel gives Barbary a clothesline, or Barbary a clothesline, inside out cell. <laughs> I like how you stopped yourself and changed it to Bob Brady, as it should be. Isn't that funnier that way? He left money on the table by not calling himself Bob Brady. <laughs> if, only, if, if only you could see the future, in two years he'd be a household name. <laughs> Which is how old South Park is. God, it is, isn't it? Jeez. Now, the problem I have with this match, besides the fact that I had to watch it, <laughs> is that Bob Brady is getting offense in at different points. Shouldn't Mabel just be, like, devouring him in, like, three bites? Yeah, this should be the shortest of all the squash matches because this is the guy headlining SummerSlam. He should have run through Bar Brady like like, like he was a hot knife through butter. Like, it should have just been... Shum. I like should the... be Goldberg 97. Yeah, yeah. It should have just been flipping Iceberg 97. Um, it should have just been, yeah, mowed him down. Doesn't get a lick in. I like the finishing move, though, Mabel has got going on now. That massive belly-to-belly looks great. It is. It's uh, it's be fitting for a man his size. Just because as he does it, he gets them up, and you just hear him go... <laughs> Makes a big noise as he does it, like a big battle cry as he sends this guy into the air. It's so good. Like a train whistle. Yeah. <laughs> Woo! Just... I was before it's splashy. He always does that. I always like that. Actually, yeah, it's a nice touch, and I appreciate it. I mean, it means authority coming. Yeah, it's cool. So yeah, I mean, if 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 all Mabel's matches were ten seconds and a big woo, that'd be fine. That'd be fine. But it's not. I think you just did the Brutus Clay shit by accident. One's a whoo, the other's a shit. Oh, we gotta get our we, we gotta get our uh, battle cries in order here. <laughs> I should point out that during this match, Lawler mentions that Sean's facing Sid at SummerSlam. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I heard that. I was like, oh, okay. And I'm like, well, that doesn't happen. But certainly, it does not. But what an intriguing match! It's um, well, we get it eventually. Just not at SummerSlam. Mm, yeah, not not in '95 at least. Well, we, kind of, but. Also, Vince mentions that it's going to be Moe versus Diesel next week. Okay. Now, do you see why we needed Nitro? <laughs> I know, mate. It's so true. We desperately need a Nitro. I get mad when people say, say, say wish for AEW to die. No. We need AEW to exist <laughs> for reasons like this. And we need to get stronger so that, well... Somebody else steps up their game then. Well, it's and it's either a case of either WWE step up their game, or if they don't, oh, we've got a nice alternative then that that, that has some some real legs to it. That's that's exactly. the better option, you know. Mabel takes the mic afterwards. He demands everyone's respect, so he's the world's largest Rodney Dangerfield. <laughs> oh, no respect. Now picture Mabel dancing in Caddyshack. John, so let's dance. <laughs> <laughs> John, if you could somehow edit uh, the song from Song and Caddyshack to um, Mabel's entrance scene while Rodney dances to it, I'd be forever <laughs> grateful. Top marks to John Eiley, who's been hitting the gym in the past week or so. 
He's decided, you know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna get, I'm gonna get even more hench. So Eile is back in the gym. He's at a lovely gym, which, I, which is just over the way. And uh, I wanted to give him a good shout because it's been, do you know what? I, since I've been doing like couch to five k stuff, like it's been nice to have conversations with people who are like, I'm getting back out there now and I'm doing stuff because we're all getting back into the world. And it's nice mm-hmm. to see people going right. Let's get back into shape. You know, it's been nice. You'd love to see it. Yeah. My big thing when it, when the when when pandemic started wearing down was um I can't wait to see everybody's teeth. <laughs> Everybody wear masks. They're like, well, I'm, I'm wearing this all the time. I'll have to brush my teeth. <laughs> oh, that's a good <laughs> shout. Who's got gingivitis? Let's oh. find out. <laughs> the- yes, congratulations to John. Look, mate. Hey, you've always looked magnificent, but you look more so now. So He's a magnificent you, beast, and we know where to find him. <laughs> Speaking of magnificent beasts, we have Fatu here. Hey. Making a difference at his, at his old high school. Someone's, someone's oh. just written, Fatu is shit in the graffiti behind him. <laughs> and then, and then, and they Bring back there. Samu. He's, he's there going, yo, hey, look, this is where I grew up. Don't do drugs. Respect authority. And then they just hear like a, they hear a bang and a screech. He goes, that's my car. <laughs> I'm running with the idea that these far too skits would be far better if everywhere he went, people would just shit to him. <laughs> it was end up with carp unblocked. <laughs> yeah. I need a ride home. <laughs> hey, kid, don't do drugs. <laughs> Fuck off, far too. Kicks him in the shins. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Right. And he's just, bl- he just blissfully unaware of just how awful everybody's been to him. He just rolls with it. That's that's the money. By the fifth in he's, he's, he's got a bicycle with like a basket on the front. <laughs> and you hear some kids go, hey, that dog's back. Get him. <laughs> and he starts pedaling. <laughs> This thing falls apart. <laughs> so he loves a brick at him. <laughs> <laughs> now, would that get him more over than this gimmick? Or yes, not? I would buy tickets to throw bricks at Fatu. You're just mean. Uh, no, but they'd have to be foam foam bricks. Like, oh, oh, I know what I was going to tell you. Oh, no. I know what, what I was going to tell you. Adam Bomb is on Twitter. And he is releasing on his eBay site Adam Bomb foam bombs. Yes! I'm nodding. It's coming. I'm, it's coming. Guess what I'm getting for Christmas? A consolation prize? All of... No. <laughs> I'm so... I got so excited when I saw, when I saw them. Like, he's good. I, I have reached out. If, if he hasn't done Desert Island Graps by the end of the year, I'd be very sad. I think we have a lot to discuss. <laughs> uh, how many do you plan on buying? All of them. <laughs> and then I want to just... First wrestling show I go to, I want to just throw them into the crowd like I'm Adam Bum. <laughs> like I'm, like I'm recruiting Bummer. members. Because what I want to do, what I want to do is walk into a building uh, with a bag, with a, with a case full of foam grenades, essentially. And say, oh, these are for the bomb squad. <laughs> Without context. And I'll tell you that. I wonder who my new co-host will be. (Laughter) 
When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. And we come to the real main event, which is Bam Bam Bigelow versus Bob Cook. Ooh, Bob Cook. The, the beast versus the punch. <laughs> Bob Cook throws the best punch in wrestling history. I have. I'll, I'll let you in on a bit of admin. Um, I have reached out to Bob Cook. Have you? Oh, and not to get him on as as, as a guest per se. Really, just because I thought it'd be nice to chat to an enhancement guy from this time. Just to kind of... Mm-hmm. Basically, I want to ask if there was a lost property bin that they all got their... Their, their singlets out of um but then having looked into to bob cook he's a bit of a legend i mean he's still yeah. still involved in i mean he's retired from wrestling now but he's putting on a, a charity wrestling show next month uh he's a he's a collector of evil knievel memorabilia really yeah like a huge collector to the point where on twitter he's like look i've got the biggest collection of evil knievel memorabilia in the world and if you have any that you want to sell me let's talk like he's up for it. He's, he sounds like a really interesting guy, and I'd like a chat with him. And you should ask him how how his punches are so beautiful, and if it's true that he was Rampage Jackson's strike coach. <laughs> I will certainly ask him because he does have a lovely punch. If, if if you haven't watched this match, you need to see it because Bigel is Bob Cook throws this gorgeous looking punch, mm. and 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 that one that was his calling card for years—the best punch in the business. He's I did write my notes. I did write two men they should have pushed. <laughs> so uh, Lawler's going on about his about this journalistic oath he took because um, he, he can't wrestle Sean because he's a broadcast journalist. Then Lawler asked if Vince took the same oath and Vince has no idea what that is. That's uh, probably a shoot. <laughs> yeah, this, is, this was this is Lawler trying to get out of the match. Well, this, that's what we thought. Trying to get out of the match with Shawn Michaels was saying, oh, as a broadcaster, I can't fight. But... We'll see how that no. unfolds. 
Meanwhile, they're just rambling, and I don't care. It's Bob Cook's throwing the best punches in the world, and that's what I'm watching here. <laughs> Bigelow makes some reference. I'm sorry, Lawler makes some references to Bigelow being in Waterworld, accusing him of being the big monster that burped up Kevin Costner. Two weeks so in a row, the- we've had Waterworld references. It's a it's a well, hot it- property at the moment. At least Lawler's going to the movies and knows what's going on. Yes. In, in 95 pop culture. <laughs> Can you imagine Vince's? It's like when. We need a Close Encounters of the Third Kind reference. <laughs> Watch and Waterworld. No one's going to see that. I mean, he was right. Yeah, he was. Yeah, it's... <laughs> Kevin Costner's slow personal subterfuge in the 90s is something to behold. <laughs> all, those, all those movies should have just been called Me. <laughs> Followed by another movie called Me. That was the postman, and that's what did him in. It, would, you, would you put him in the same league as, as Steven Seagal? Well, no, they're two very different performers. In the sense that, like, as, like you basically you hire Steven Seagal to play Steven Seagal. Oh, you know what Liam Neeson's doing now? Just playing Liam Neeson, yeah, and everything. If you haven't seen Ice Road, you you, you have to. If you if you haven't seen Ice Road, you probably have. No, no, no. <laughs> this, this is far be. This is more surreal than anything Neeson's ever done. Oh, really? Is it's not just taken on the Ice Road? It's, it's, it's nuttier than that. Oh, I want to watch it now. I really want to watch it's it. It's got Lawrence Fishburne. I'm, I'm catching up with my um, with my brothers the, this weekend coming, and I'm very excited because we've been sharing Steven Seagal movies back and forth with one another yeah. um, because Steven Seagal's done about 100 movies, and they're all just starring Steven Seagal as himself, and they all look crap. And, and he mumbles through everything. And he just mumbles through everything. So we've just been finding <laughs> clips of Steven Seagal to share with each other. There's... There's the one I shared it last week. There's, there's the one where he's doing the um the, the karate exhibition. <laughs> I don't know whether you've seen it. Have you seen Steven Seagal doing his martial arts exhibition? We tap somebody on the shoulder and then they die. <laughs> he's basically basically he's the WWE legend coming back to make the young faction bump for him. Like, it's all bump and feed for Steven Seagal, but he looks so bored as he's doing it. It is. It's a. It's a clip that I now have that when I need a little pick me up, it just lifts me. It lifts me. Yes. I'm gonna find it. I'm gonna find it. Because I shared it on my thing the other day, and I'd like you to see it because I think you'll appreciate it. Uh, I'm gonna find it. You carry on talking us through the the wrestling. Okay, so Bob Cook throws more punches, which are better than anything that we've described in the past three minutes from anybody else. Bigelow's wrestling like a heel in this match for some reason. He's kind of like trying to wear Cook down with like rest holds and he's working from underneath. Vince plugs AOL just to date this show even more. <laughs> Bigelow fights back, diving headbutt. This is an oddly plotting match between two guys I like. Meanwhile, after the match, we get some early hype for the 1997 November to remember as the franchise Shane Douglas. I'm sorry. That's, Dean Douglas. There you go. In a moment. <laughs> Douglas grades Bam Bam Bigelow. And he speaks really slowly and focuses on the ugliness of the beast from the east. This is definitely not the franchise. He's doing the best he can with his awfulness. Yeah, he's uh, even then, I don't know if he's, he's not putting his ass into it. He's kind of just like, well, this is what it is. He's, he's Orange Cassidying it. <laughs> He gives Bigelow an F for being ugly. 
Oh, that's just like when he was ECW champion feuding with the Sandman and Cactus. <laughs> Riveting stuff. F, I cut my fucking music. <laughs> I fail you because you are hideous. Class dismissed. It's, I can see why he was miserable. How heart-wrenching is it, or how deliberate is it, to go from Dean Douglas, a.k.a. Shane Douglas, straight into a match featuring Chris Candido as Skip, the, the, the gym yes. freak? He has the triple threat. <laughs> the triple treat. Okay, well, I'm not going to lie. When he I'm watching this a golf clip now. When he, he twisted the one guy's arm, and it actually <laughs> did look kind of... Uh... It, it is any legend that comes back to beast at the Spirit Squad. That's essentially what you're looking at in that clip. <laughs> if Orange Cassie were a WWE legend, that would be him in the 2020 Royal <laughs> making the big comeback. Oh, it would as well. It absolutely would. He, he just looks bored. Swatting flies. <laughs> Ronnie Piper, mm -hmm. Greg Valentine running wild on the spirit squad. The guy's like, I'm going to kill you. And the guy's like, don't do that. <laughs> don't kill me because I'll kill you. That, that lovely short arm lariat, though. Top marks. <laughs> lovely little short speaking arm clothes. Like have, speak, speaking of lovely, we have Owen Hart and Yokozuna backstage. Owen's holding both belts. As he should. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and like, no shame whatsoever. That's what makes it funnier. Cornette calls Savio Chevy Vega. Which, I guess that's the best material we're getting in 95 out of Cornette. It's as good as we're going to get in it. And this is his home, the Louisville Gardens. This is this is his playground. You think he'd be happier to be here? You know, he does cut a spirit of promo, but it's just... It's not Cornette's A material. So we keep the triple threat connection going. We go from the franchise, then we go from, from Bammer to the franchise to no gimmicks needed Chris Candido when he had a gimmick. Hmm. He's facing Major Yates, which, which is a good name. Ground control to Major Yates. I used to call it backup NFL quarterback TJ Yates Major Yates, and I couldn't remember why I ever called him that. And I remember like, oh, that's right. There's a guy named Major Yates. That's where it comes from. It's, um, ah. it's the, most, the most obscure thing I'll ever say on this show, and that covers some ground. <laughs> I think that, I think you'll go more obscure in, in years to come. Uh, I believe in myself. <laughs> I believe in you. So we're still trading on that Horowitz win from a few weeks ago, and the play on that, Yates gets a roll up for two right off the bat. <gasps> that was fun. I like that. That was a lovely <laughs> little touch. You can see Candido being quite annoyed with himself for it as well. <laughs> mm-hmm. Can you so annoyed that he gave Yates a throwing German suplex that almost broke him in half? I mean, this is like like if Brock did this, be like, are you trying to kill the guy? <laughs> we find out it's gonna be Sean and Skip on Superstars. I'll give you three guesses who wins that match, and the first two don't count. <laughs> Hulk Hogan. Another near fall. <laughs> Another near fall. Skip is sweating it out now. Like, oh, this is getting him over. Hmm. He wins with a superplex Candido. Not a, okay, not a blonde does. bombshell. Not the old top rope power bomb. Not in this country. Not in this company. <laughs> not even the top of Hurricane Ronnie he's been using. Maybe Yates. I mean, he took a flip bump off the superplex, so I don't know why he couldn't do the, the Hurricane Rana. And of course, they talk over Sonny and Skip after the match, the commentators. It's like, in a year's time, they're going to be acknowledging Sonny as like the most downloaded celebrity on AOL. Because she's a beautiful blonde, and of course she has. You know, she's more than that. She's a great. She's great on the mic, understands the business, great talent, and she has all this upside. And we've seen her in like three or four matches on Raw, where 
Candido has, has just not looked as optimum. Has had to fight from underneath. They talk over her promos. What are they doing? They just do it for everybody, though, don't they? I don't think they're being particularly mean to Sonny. Anytime I feel like there's any promos, they just rattle all over them. They almost feel like they have. Like Vince is, Vince is so has so little faith in these guys telling the story that he has to fill in what all the blanks. So I, I, I've seen him do it for everybody. Are they, the only person I don't see him do it for is Diesel. Everybody else gets talked over, though. I mean, I, I get that part of it, but it's just how do you not see the potential in her? It's a weird company. And the one thing that WWF has been consistent with <laughs> is is this. Is they'll go, how like we'll go, how do you not see the the money there? But you think there's money there? How do you not okay, okay. Yeah. That's well, a tale she, as old as time. Well, she'd make money for him. Mm. Not in the not too distant future, she'd make some money for him. Interesting musical factoid, and this might just be a, a, a random theory on my part. Um, am I right in thinking uh, that in uh, that Chris Candido came out to Suicide Blonde by NXS in early ECW? He did. I just noticed. I've never noticed it before until I watched this episode. How the Body Donna's theme has a similar musical structure and a similar chord progression to suicide blonde by nxs well if you also notice owen hart's theme song is basically suicide blonde it is isn't it suicide blonde maybe jim johnson just really liked it nxs it's a good song it's a good song so down 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 who would have had that one Oh, who would have had uh, got to let Yoko. you know? <laughs> you were American. Who had needs that? Um, Shawn Michaels could have had that. Maybe. If we're going to give in excess songs to wrestlers, I think Shawn Michaels could have got away with needs tonight. SummerSlam Insider, not Report Insider. Yeah, they they've, they've binned off the Report bit now. They want to make it sound cooler. Edgier. Mm. Say your daddy's SummerSlam report. This is SummerSlam Insider. It's extreme. <laughs> extreme reporting. It's a report on a rocket cycle. It's extreme. <laughs> so, main event Diesel versus Mabel. Hang on, let me, the, let me get my wallet out so that, so that I can keep it away from you. <laughs> Uh, Diesel in this um, little bit on the Stridex SummerSlam Insider. Um, Has a bloodshot eye. God, he looks, yeah, bloodshot eye. Uh, oh, this lot, oh, this promo. Okay, quote from Diesel. I don't demand respect. I don't earn respect. I get respect. At SummerSlam, so yeah, so, you, so you're earning it. But then he goes, at SummerSlam, Big Daddy Cool will not only demand respect, but he will earn it. Like, whoa, whoa, what are you saying? You're just making this up now. Upward, not forward. <laughs> Onward, not upward. <laughs> Pivot. Swirling uh, toward freedom in Atlanta. Just, 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 just a lot of rubbish. A lot of rubbish. <laughs> It was actually the intent. Well, I enjoyed the intensity of it at least. I did, but it was just the. I, it kind of felt like um, it put me in mind of that Batista promo. Weapons aren't only encouraged; they're allowed. 
<laughs> I, de- I demand respect, not angrily. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what, Mabel, look to camera. Oh, I mean, I tell you what, Mabel. <laughs> 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 so after he after he angrily promised to beat the respect out of Mabel, we we segue into Brett versus Isaac Yankum, who's kind enough to pose for a uh, a render. Yeah, is this the first time as well that we hear Glenn Jacobs talking? No, we we haven't talked vignettes. Open what? Oh, okay, okay, we have, haven't we? A nice shot of his teeth from the patient's point of view. Mm. About as yellow as his hair. <laughs> and then we talk about Sean and Sid for the Intercontinental title. As Todd, I do not envy Todd, has to make this show sound appetizing. <laughs> He's earning his money here. He is earning his money. But I'd say this is the most 1995 show you could have put together. Uh, the, the Sean and Sid match for SummerSlam, um, already in doubt, as we have discussed. Um, according to the Observer, Sid was out of action this past weekend with bone spurs in his neck. He was bothered by this for the past month, which to a degree explains why he couldn't do a thing at the pay-per-view match he had. And then in the tapings at Evansville, Indiana, his arm went numb, so he missed the show in St. Louis. He is scheduled back in time for the show at Madison Square Garden on the 12th of August. This is from the Observer this week. And it's, uh, it ends up being a blessing. No offense to Sid and his mm. his unique talents, but we get a much more appetizing match out of all this. Oh, we do. That match we're going to learn about next week. Speaking of appetizing, we get a Mo Diesel Mo Diesel plug <laughs> for next week's Raw. Remember, we was still ninety four. We're talking about how this is going to be a very trying year. Yep. Well, we're only seven twelfths of the way through it. <laughs> And now we come to the main event. Do you mind if I just sort of plow my way through my entire notes? May I will metaphorically stand back and let wrestling's greatest historian tell the story. That's not true. John Arezzi's out there. Dave Meltzer's out there. Jim Cornette's out there. My favorite wrestling historian tell the story. Well, that's not true. Jim Cornette's out there. Dave Meltzer's my out there. My fifth favorite person called Justin. <laughs> Well, I went to get past Justin Credible and Justin Timberlake and um, Beaver. Justin Justin Gage, who played wide receiver for the Titans back in the 2000s. And you have um, Justin Hawk Bradshaw and Justin Gabe. Justin Delaney. It, it, who? I don't know. Just made up a name. Justin uh, Justin from um, Mr. Tumblefabe on CBeebies. That's a reference okay. that some people might get. Well... Justin from my man. science class who set a girl's hair on fire. Go on. I, I wasn't in your class. <laughs> that's, that's a different different girl, different oh. hair. Oh, other guy, other guy. <laughs> the okay. other guy. Oh. I, I just unplugged a, a um, thing too soon. It was like, hook, hooked up to the gas line and almost killed everybody. <gasps> you nearly gassed grade. the entire place with the uh, with the Bunsen, Bunsen burner. Oh, yeah. Oh, I think we've, and then, we've all kind of pretended to do that, but you actually did it. Well, I, I was just absent-minded. Also, there was the one time that I burned my hand on a on a metal ring stand. Really? Is, my it, friend, is it all in science class? Yeah, it was. Well, my lab partner was unscrewing it too too early. I'm like, no, don't do that. I grabbed that. Ah, 
Ooh. And the guy calls me and laughs. So I said, you like that? I grabbed his hand and I, I made him touch it. <laughs> oh, you fucker. No, I was mad. I was seeing. I was seeing red at that point. Did you go to I the was... Did you go to the principal's office? No. Ah, uh, I thought you might have gone to the principal's office. We had a very passive teacher, <laughs> and we we managed to keep our pain and anger like <laughs> so we didn't really notice. We didn't. We didn't make a scene. Bless you. I'm just. Yes. I'm thinking now about my science class. What and... was the main event? Good idea. Then we'll go on to the main event. I seem to remember we had our science class. We all had like, we all sat in like rows of desks. And in front of each desk, we had the taps for the Bunsen burners. Yeah. Like, why are you trusting teenagers with with little gas taps? That's because that seems wrong. Because if we survive, we're the future <laughs> of the world. It just seems like it's asking for trouble. Boy, if you had told me then that in 22 years I'd be writing scripts about events of wrestling's past while doing a podcast about the wrestling I hated from the 90s, I'd be, first I'd say, what the hell's a podcast? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, man. What a trip, eh? Anyway, the main event, uh, Owen and Yoko versus TLC. <laughs> yeah, I'd say main event, we already covered Bigelow and Bob Cook. That's true. This is the semi-main event the guy that Tag gave us all match. a semi-main event. <laughs> Tag title match, Owen Hart and Yokozuna versus Razor Ramon and Savio Vega. TLC. Vince tells us that Razor and Savio were impressive in your house. They lost. <laughs> Stop that, Vince. We get the best moment of the match, which is during the intros, when Razor and Savio are shambling down to the ring. And Barry the Dud is standing in the aisle way, plugging this <laughs> actually decent-looking purple and gold Razor shirts. It's kind of stylish for the mid-90s. So Razor puts it over his face and, and, proceed, and walks away, as he should. Because he's a dud. He is the dud. It's an awful shirt. He's the dynamic dud. <laughs> we get a decent sequence from Owen and Savio to start. Razor comes in, great jawjacker punch, because... I think Razor learned from. I think Razor was the um, Ralph Macchio to uh, Bob Cook's Mr. Miyagi when it came to throwing punches. Um, Owen slinkies through the ropes in great fashion. So far, everything's fine. This is a perfectly acceptable tag team match. Yoko gets in. They slowly work him over. Vega drop kicks him. Yoko falls through the ropes in a, in a very impressive bump. So far. This looks like a three-star match, potentially. It's Maybe all right. More. It's all right. Then it starts to feel like a house show match. Kind of just slows down because we're killing time for some reason. Not sure why. I mean, I, re I remembered this match, so I knew what was going happening, but I assume, first time watching for you, you didn't know where this was going. Nope, nope. So this is, this is all news to me. I bet you were very surprised by the ending. Well... I kind of... I, it wasn't the ending I could have predicted. <laughs> so uh, this, this match goes on for a bit. Owen takes over. We get the dreaded drop-to-hold-leg-drop combo. That is a brilliant combo move. You just yoga dropping that big fat thigh across the back of someone's head. It works, doesn't it? It just works. The crowd's audible gasp before he gets airborne is great. Because they know it's coming. Mm. And, and then they may be seeing this guy take his last breath. <laughs> we, get, 
We go to break off a nerve hold. We're back. We miss the entire heat. Sabia makes the hot tag. In comes Razor. He's a house of fire. Gets a bulldog, I think, on Owen. Vince actually goes, one, two, three, two. <laughs> he kind of he kind of one, two, three, two. Which is like R2D2, but dumber. Then Razor takes Owen, hits him on the Razor's Edge. One, two, three. We have new champions. <gasps> da, 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 TLC, number one. But wait. It is pointed out to... Who's the referee? Earl? I think it was Earl. It's pointed out to the referee that Owen was not the legal man. Take that, AEW. Oh, what? Um, so Earl restarts the match because Owen was not legal. And then... In a moment that I do not understand, Jim Cornette is ejected from ringside for pointing out the referee's mistake. Is it Jim Cornette is the real is the real Seymour Skinner? I know the truth. I acknowledge the truth, and they, and they throw him out of town. Is it is it a case of they actually, John? Can you can you do the real Seymour Skinner, but with Jim Cornette's head on it, getting <laughs> taken, getting put out of town on a train? <laughs> Told the truth. <laughs> I wonder. Now th- they did say on commentary, and I, I'll, I very rarely defend the bullshine booking. They did say on commentary because he manhandled the ref. Oh, I didn't see that part. Mm, I didn't see it myself. Sure, uh, Vince said it you on comms. They, you mean the part where they add it in and post to make it sound like something happened? Yeah. Oh, touch the referee. Yeah. Gotta go. Yeah, because he hit manhandled the referee. But it's, but you would you to watch it back. It's not obvious. Scene missing. Yeah, it's yeah yeah it's very scene missing. It's not obvious why that went down. So yes, Cornet gets ejected. He, he's unhappy because he gets thrown. He gets thrown out in here in his hometown of Louisville. We're back. Razor throws Owen on the Yoko. Match is is like it's really deflating feeling now. Mm. Just the air is taken out of it because Razor and Sabia had to give the belts back. Match continues. Now it's just a heatless match. There's a commercial with like a few minutes left. Owen and Sabi are kind of going through the motions now. Yoko's in, missing an elbow. Another commercial break. Like a minute and a half later. What is going on here? This is weirdly put together. I wonder if, I'm just, this is me just spitballing. I wonder if they, the whole throwing Jim Cornette out was because they knew that it would kill the heat for the match. So regardless of the logic of it, by ejecting heel manager, whether they thought that might bring the crowd back. Maybe. I mean, maybe. Maybe. I mean, I mean, it, it was going fine until they threw Cornette out. Mm. I mean, I mean, I mean, they still had it. I mean, I mean, yeah, maybe after after doing the dusty finish continuation, that maybe you you might lose him a little bit, and so Cornette may have been a preemptive thing. But it's, I don't know. It just seems weird. So Razor and Owen get dual tags. Vince telegraphs what's going to happen, saying. If, if the match does not end but by 10 o'clock, it's going to restart next week. Restart next week. God. Why? We're going to do it over again. <laughs> Razor gets a choke stand with 20 seconds left. Signals for the edge. We're out of time. Night, everybody. I am very confused. If this was a live show, you could probably forgive it. You go, okay, maybe they were unable to communicate. That time was running out. That something had run over. But this is taped. This is in the can. And they decided this is the best way to do it. Cliffhanger. Yeah, but then... Could you Tune not... in next week to see what happens. 
Could you not have... I mean, I'm just... Could you not have had the show end with Razor and Vega winning the titles? And then the following week, open the show with, well, when we went off the air, it didn't happen. They went back, well, that, so they're going to have another match later. I think that's bound to infuriate people more, isn't it? Um, maybe. Maybe it would, actually. I think how I would have felt watching it. Would I have felt cheated? Because, uh, you know, a lack of dirt sheets, a lack of internet, you wouldn't have known until the following week. Uh, about the silly buggery. Um, yeah, maybe I would have done. But I thought either way, I thought what they gave us was... <laughs> I get the intent, the cliffhanger, like you said. But it didn't really... W I don't think it worked as well as they'd hoped it would. I mean, it's not like... And, and the part that bugs me is instead of saying, we'll show you the ending next week, it's, we're going to restart the match next week. Because they want you to feel like it's always live they don't want to give you the impression that anything is taped you know vince well, is so yeah. adamant that you know, like all the all the commentary is recorded fresh with sort of relatively well, topical yeah, but you start the show by saying vince had vince launched and say well after one of your last week this happened and then go back to the live show mm. yeah there's the footage you didn't see yeah there yeah there's a better way of doing it that way yeah <laughs> You could have done that, but they didn't. And well, now we get a fresh match next. We get to watch it all over again. Mm. But then I, I guess it's it's one of the very few times. You know, when you know back in the day where they do this following contest is scheduled for one fall with TV time remaining. I, I guess it's the only time I can think of where they've gone. Well, it's the TV tag titles. TV, hey, <laughs> like because that's what they need more t more titles at this point. Um, I can only think that that's that idea that oh the tv time ran out i think if you've done a, if you've done a more uh, uh would would okay here's a here's another thing we're looking at it would announcing like would having like the ring bell go and the ref say uh, the, the announcer say uh tv time has expired this match is a draw no because you can't do that because it's too much like wrestling it's too much like wrestling in it yeah bits of like the wrestlings why couldn't Bill Watts just come in and say, well, goddammit, it's how we did it Mid-South. It's how we did it in the Mid-South. But then if it'd be less inclined to want to do it, then I guess. Hmm. Well, that's your show this week. What a sad ending. I mean, there were some nice bits in there this week. There were some nice little bits in there. You know? I would think that's best. Nice. Bob Cook shows up and nothing's accomplished. <laughs> I like the Bob Cook stuff. I like Bob and Bambas having a little fight. Uh, I enjoyed, for the better part, I enjoyed the main event. I enjoyed Owen and Yoko versus TLC. Oh, the, for, for the better part of it, I enjoyed it. It was not a bad It's going to be TLC from now on. Of course they are. <laughs> of course they are. Um, main event was probably the best part of the show, with the exception of Bob Cook's punches. Mm, but there you go. It is what it is. It is another limp on the road to SummerSlam. <laughs> How many weeks are we out from SummerSlam now? Two? Three? Three. We have the August 7th, 14th, and 21st shows, oh. and then we had the big pay-per-view itself. We are close to the pay-per-view, and we will be back next week to get ever closer. Uh, this week, so, as we said on the YouTube channel right now, uh, Sam Driver's smashing new video on the history of the WWF in 2001. Here's to many, many more. We had a brand new, brand spanking new story of on the weekend, didn't we, Justin? We did, covering the SmackDown 6 from 2002. Story of 
six guys that Paul Heyman wanted to push for their wrestling acumen and how it led to some of the best TV matches in the actually best period of TV matches possibly in company history. And and just if you watch anything on the network, those are phenomenal occasions. Watch all of them. And until next time, we are together. He is at JRH Writing on Twitter. I am at Tom Gamble on Twitter. Together, we are at Cultaholic on Twitter. Don't forget to join us. Football's coming home, but not just yet. A few more years of hurt. Didn't do anybody any harm. Love you. Bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. For all the wrestling headlines in just 10 minutes, search Cultaholic Wrestling News on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. 